0: 40 days today, I think, to Christmas Day, 40 days today. Does that sound right? Something like that. And uh, well, it's uh, great to be, I love Christmas. Anyone else really love Christmas? I love this time of year. I love the tinsel, I love the turkey, and I love what's happening in town at this time of year. And uh, it's a great time of year. And uh, but just think about, you know, this for a moment, because um, Christmas, you know, celebrating a birthday today, and I couldn't think of a better place to be celebrating that with Christmas. Uh, my church family here, um, we might just flick those, those lights on if that's okay, at the back one's there. Um, is, you think about this for a moment, if I went home and invited you all back to my house for uh, a birthday party, for a bit of cake or whatever, and you, birth, you bought, oh, you'd like to do that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and you were, bring, you, were, you were to bring presents, and it's kind of like you, you bring presents for each other. That's pretty much what we do isn't it? But the birthday for Christmas is for who? It's for Jesus, right? But have you ever thought about that? it's, It's kind of weird, but it's kind of, well, it's a great way to celebrate, it's a great way to encourage, it's a great way to give thanks for one another. But I love Christmas, and I do love this time of year, and especially between now and the end of the year. We've got some great things coming up. December 6th is our uh, Hope family celebrates. Morning and night. Morning, we're celebrating the children at night. We're going to celebrate those who are graduating in the service. And then uh, Christmas hampers on December the 13th. And our biggest yet Christmas production, what what is it called? A Christmas Toy Story, or a Toy Story Christmas. I always get this, all right? A Toy Story Christmas. Let's go with that one. On December 19th, Saturday 19th of December, Uh, 7 p.m. and uh, the 10 a.m. only on the 20th of December. Then we'll go to the city park for those who would like to join us for the Christmas carols there. Have you ever found yourself using a number of different phrases in life? This is one of them that I want to check out here tonight. Check this out. We got it there. Fantastic. There it is. I don't know if you've ever said that. But in light of the last 24 hours, I think you'd understand what that phrase means. How quickly the world can change. I often watch the news. I sit down and watch the news. I record and watch it later on when the children are in bed. And uh, it can be a little bit depressing sometimes But you're watching the news. You're hearing words like Ebola, cyber hacking, torture, terror, betrayal, conflict, war, persecution. How quickly the world can change. A friend of mine Got the surprise of his life around about six to eight months ago when attending his annual physical checkup received the news that no one wants to hear cancer how quickly the world can change this last september two of our very own people from this congregation a father and son team flew to the mcg to watch their beloved football team the mighty richmond tigers thinking that this year they were on their way to the AFL Grand Final. Say it with me. How quickly the world can change. A young man in his mid-twenties takes his beloved girlfriend out for a romantic meal. During the course of the meal, he takes the ring out of his pocket, gets down on bended knee and pops the question, asking for a hand in marriage, and she thinks how quickly her world can change. A married couple with three children who think just one more child will fulfill their dream of having four children. Well, they get pregnant and later the ultrasound nurse says, triplets, how quickly their world just changed. An angel taps a teenage girl on the shoulder and announces a miraculous conception and that a divine child will be hers to raise and how quickly her world just changed and her boyfriend joseph suddenly realizes that the long-awaited messiah is going to grow up in his own home and learn how to do carpentry alongside himself how quickly his world just changed we started this series a couple of weeks ago oh it's not lit up there sorry can we light that sign up chris is that all right there's that sign right there is that okay, it's based on, no, we can't do that, that's all right, Luke chapter 1, and we've called this particular series, simply called it certainty, certainty, you see, the world doesn't like that word, the world doesn't like this thing of absolute truth, but the Bible teaches us that we have this thing called certainty, being Jesus-centered gives us a certainty and hope in the midst of this fragile and uncertain world. You see, certainty changes the way we act. And we find this in, in the case of Mary's story, which will open up just in a moment. But the certainty about the future changes what we do in the present, Andrew Morris said a couple of weeks ago. And Luke understood that if people understood about the certainty of Jesus, who he was why he came, and what he taught, uh, and his death and resurrection, of course. Luke knew that if people were certain about these things, it changes everything. That they would change the way that they live, they would live different lives, and they would also make incredibly different choices because of the certainty. Can everyone say that word? certainty It's a great word, isn't it? And so as we open this story a little bit, here is the mother of Jesus accepting her divine assignment. And regardless of um, how impossible it might seem to you and I in the natural, one thing that I've learned to rest in is that when God's ready to birth something on this planet, he's not limited to our time. And he's not limited to our space continuum or finite understanding because he is infinite, infinite, and continues to do the impossible. And we see it right here in this next part that Andrew started just a couple of weeks ago in Luke chapter 1. If you're journeying with us, we've started already opening the first chapter of Luke chapter 1. And we're about halfway towards the end of it. And uh, I don't know about you, you think about the mothers that are listed in the Bible. There are a number of them. But only one woman in all of history was chosen to bear the Messiah. How many, mo- how many people know that there are only certain things that only women can do, right? Yeah? And so here she is. Out of all the women of that particular time, what kind, I'm asking the question, what kind of woman would it take to birth the Messiah to their generation? How do you get the job of carrier of God? What was happening in heaven at that particular time in his story? You see, imagine the God of the universe who fills all of heaven and earth, Jeremiah 23 says, now fills your womb. It's an incredible, mind-blowing kind of you know, thing, isn't it? So the question I'm asking us here tonight, um, out of this particular story from Luke chapter 1, is this. What does it take? To be a carrier of God. What does it take... Have we got that? To be a carrier of God. You see, what I mean by this, spiritually speaking, today's big idea is that we, male and female, are called to be God carriers to our generation. Do you agree with the following statement? There are problems in the world today. Yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. In fact, the last 24 hours would certainly reveal to our world that there are problems at every level. But the big question is in regards to this, well, what causes these kind of problems? What's the root cause of everything that is wrong in the world today. Can I maybe suggest uh, this, this answer? And it's okay to go home later on during the week in your small groups to talk about this particular answer. And it's this, that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Because that is what is at the heart of everything that is wrong in the world today. It's, it, it is our hearts, and the word to describe the heart condition, the Bible describes it as a three-letter word called sin. Sin. And we have this sinful condition that only Jesus can fix. Now, some people would say, in the midst of this fragile and uncertain world, and maybe because of a case like where, where, yesterday, in the last 24 hours, where is God in all of this? And my answer to that particular question is that God did not leave us. We left God. God did not separate from us. We separated from God. God did not reject us. We rejected God. And so our sin works a little bit like an overdraft in a bank account, if you might like to think of it that way just for a moment, because the only one who can help us is someone who is in credit. And Jesus Christ is the only one who is in credit. And that's why Jesus came into this world to do something about our overdraft. And so if our greatest need was for information... God would have sent us an educator. And if our greatest need was money, He would have sent us an e- economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, He would have sent us, you're getting the idea? An entertainer. And there's plenty of that going on in our world. But our greatest need was for what? Our greatest need was for forgiveness. And that's why God sent us a Savior, to rescue us from what the Bible calls sin. And so, Somehow, through it all, just like this story we're about to unfold, the story of Mary, um, you and I today are called to carry God to our world, that we are carriers of hope because we have this thing, there it is, it's lit up now. I love that word. Thanks, Chris, for doing that. That big word right there called, say it with me, certainty. We are carriers of hope because we have certainty. We have this thing called absolute truth. So we're going to look at what it took for Mary to do just that in her generation and what we can learn from. But before we go to that story, just a quick passage of scripture that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2 verse uh, 4 to 10, and it says this. Check this out. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in what? Mercy. Made us alive with mercy. Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by what? Grace, mercy, grace, love that you have been saved. I could stop there and you know, really take that apart. But there's grace, there's love, there's mercy because of God's great love and great grace and great mercy that you have been saved. Not one thing in this is that God hates you. He loves you. Why? Because of what? Grace And mercy. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches. It explains it in another way, doesn't it? Incomparable riches. Maybe this week, maybe this week, as you wake up and you think about yourself and think about all that's going on in your life, you could think about just for one moment those two words incomparable riches. You can't compare. You can't compare. It's incomparable. Where were we? Sorry, I'm being interrupted. Oh, of His grace. Here we go. Expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Go on to the next slide. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast... For we are, say this with me, God's what? Workmanship. I love that word. Workmanship. He loves to go to work in people's lives. And I'm so thankful personally for his work in my life. God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what does it take to be a God carrier to this fragile and uncertain world? What kind of qualities and attributes did Mary have that enabled her to birth Jesus to her generation? And what qualities do we need to birth Jesus to our generation? Let's go into that story right now and continue the story that Andrew's picked up in the first two weeks. And he'll finish off uh, in the next couple of weeks. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. By the way, if you've got paper or pen, if you've got your journals here tonight, feel free to grab those out. If not, if you've got uh, access to a smartphone, we have a, an app called UVersion, And simply go on to the uh, menu uh, um, and uh, type in uh, uh, live, or live's already there, but type in DOH, and you should be able to follow on tonight. This is the story in Luke chapter 1. This is the story of Mary. If you can hang in there long enough, I believe there's something for each of us here tonight. It goes like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... Let's just press pause there for a moment. I'm going to take this apart. Is that okay? Because God's very specific here. Very specific. And He knows your address. He knows where you live. Check this out. It goes on. God sent angel, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. Now, virgin actually meant the same back then, Right? Yeah, it meant exactly the same thing back then as it does today. I just wanted to clarify that. It goes on. A pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. You remember those pictures last week that, um, that Andrew showed us of the angels? This was a big sucker, all right? This is a big guy. This is a big angel. Check this out. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, the Lord is with you. Isn't that comforting? That would have been a great comfort for Mary. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, if that was me, it would have been a heart attack kind of deal going on. But for her, she was greatly troubled. Only greatly troubled. For me, it was heart attack. Okay? Goes on. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found... Say this word with me. Favor. Everyone say it. Favor. You have found favor with God. Let's go to the next slide. The story goes on. I want to come back to the word favor in a moment. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be what? Great. And will be called the son of the what? Most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. How long? Forever. His kingdom will what? Never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am... Oh, she understood that word. Since I am a a virgin. It's a fair enough question, right? Let's go to the final slide and it says this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month for with God, nothing will be impossible. I, this is a response. After hearing and being a part of what do I do? For I am what? I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. That's your and my fundamental identity in this world today. For I am, you know how Paul, just keep that up there for a moment. Have I finished? May your word be, def- oh, here we go. Uh, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word To me be fulfilled, then the angel left her. That's her identity. You know, Paul, when he writes the the letters to the different churches, he often says Paul, that's what his name is, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what Mary's saying. Mary, servant, uh, servant of the Lord. And so what an incredible story. Let's take this part just a little bit here tonight, because this is about the woman who was chosen to carry and birth God to her generation a story of the supernatural that may not make a lot of sense in our natural sense, in our natural minds and thinking, and this certainly teaches us that we can't put God in a box, for with God nothing will be impossible. And I wonder if this can be likened to a story as people in our generation called to be carriers of the Spirit of God to our generation. Because here's what I believe, that God wants to get what's in you, out of you, into this fragile and uncertain world. Did you get that? God wants to get what's in you, out of you, into this fragile and uncertain world. So, how are we going to carry Him, and what is it that we need to take? Let's go back to the story of Mary. Let's just cross-check here, because there are lessons for us. There are Excuse me. there are principles that can apply because there was nothing extraordinary in the the natural about this young woman but she was um, uh, willing. The thing about Mary is that she was willing to be used by God, this young female teenage Jewish girl. And what does God rock up and do in behalf of an angel? He gives her this this divine assignment. I wonder what your assignment is is for these next few years. And for those of us who are a little older, we understand just how quickly the Bible teaches us it's like a vapour. We're gone here and we're gone. What is your divine assignment? It's a wonderful assignment. It's a privilege of an assignment. So far bigger than her, by the way. And Mary, both in the natural and the spiritual, is going to have to grow to where she needs to go. You see, the degree to which you are willing to um, grow will be the degree in which you are, you are um In which God will use you. So are you willing to grow? Let me explain what I mean by that because, you know, Andrew's talked this last couple of weeks that it's not just about the most gifted. It's not about the most talented. It's not about the most eloquent, the most connected, the most educated, the most richest, the right title and things like that. That kind of thing is irrelevant to him. You know, that that ability versus availability. Is it really in your ability? Yes, I think we need to grow. I think we need to learn. I think we need to improve. But I think it's more in that availability sense. And so it would be just like God, wouldn't it? It would be just like Him to take this unnamed, unwanted, uh, young Jewish girl and burst significance and hope and purpose to this world. Not just for her, but to do the extraordinary and to do the supernatural and allow the most of the world um, in history gone by, and history today, to kind of look back and say, did that really happen? And yes, it does. He continues to redeem, and he continues to restore lives today. I don't know if you were here last week to hear the story, and great story tonight, Madeline. Really appreciate your heart. And I know Nigel and Lisa are here tonight, and you'd be so proud. And uh, what a blessing. And uh, last week we heard from Lauren. What a beautiful story that was. what I've heard amongst the stories, and Sam Parry, I think, shared a couple of weeks ago, and the stories that we're hearing is that these people are referring to it's about who he is. It's about who He is. It's not necessarily about me and, and all my kind of stuff. It's about who He is and who He's making to me to be. Do you remember that passage of scripture from Scripture, from Ephesians chapter 2, that we are God's workmanship, not our parents, even though they had a little bit of fun in the midst of it all, but we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship, not our parents. And so some of you think... Um, You're disqualified, maybe because of your background or because of your past, but so many of us limit our lives and our capacity based on what someone else has done or what somebody else has said to us, maybe based on what science says, maybe based on what um, economics says, maybe based on what education, what the education department says, and these are great institutions, but they didn't create me and they didn't define me. God created me, and His Word defines me, and that, because of that, changes everything. And I've lived a few years, and in my life, I've come to understand the very things that the enemy wants to use to disqualify you and I are the very things that God redeems, and they actually qualify us to be used for His purpose. And that's why it is amazing grace. It's amazing and that's why the angel said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. You know that word favor? Let's just talk about that at the moment. Because it mentioned the word favor twice. And if you've got your Bibles there, if you're following along on Version, you'll see it. It's mentioned twice. In fact, it's, it's, it's mentioned like this. It says, highly favored. Mary, you are highly favored. And in our natural sense, we actually think, well, that's, that's about me, isn't it? That's about me. Yet we soon discover in this story, as this story unfolds, favor is all about and for God's purpose, not self-comfort. And that's where I think in our world, in our comfortable, safe little world in which we live, we, we Christians go wrong because we want it all to be about me. Now don't get me wrong, we're all a product of a mass marketing kind of deal that comes out it each and every day that the world says it's about you. But I want to tell you because of this favor that's for uh, God's purpose and not for self-comfort, can also cause a lot of inconvenience as we look at Mary's life. Because Mary's life is about to be greatly inconvenienced. You know, Luke chapter 12 says, To whom much is given, much is required or expected. How many of us know as we sit here tonight how much we have been given as a church? Incredible incredible amount and it's because of that that's why we do the miracle missions offering we're going to challenge us each in regards to that And we want to set that target so we can give more away why to whom much is given much is expected and god says to mary mary you are favoured you are favored, and the favor pertains, he says, to your function and to your purpose. And if you are going to say yes to carrying the Messiah to your generation, it's going to be incredibly inconvenient. In fact, Mary, the first thing I want you to do is to go and tell your fiance. Hmm uh, Joe, <laughs> it's getting ready for dinner tonight, and uh, an angel kind of visited, and it was awesome, and I'm pregnant. no one's going to buy that. I mean, it is. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's weird. But it's so real and so powerful. And that's what we celebrate these next coming weeks. But it's going to cost her. It's going to cost her. It's inconvenient. It interrupts her life. And could you imagine Mary going on and telling her, friends, friends, I had a visitation from an angel and all of a sudden I'm pregnant. And it's kind of like that sense, well, is that what you called Joseph, you know, an angel? They're just not going to understand. They're just not going to get it. It's, it's, it's as weird today as it was to them. But this is the miraculous. This is the supernatural. This is where we've got to stop trying to figure things out. You know, we try to intellectualize things, don't we? And, and that's that thing of faith. Somebody mentioned it tonight about faith. I think it was Madeline, wasn't it? About faith. It's an incredible thing. By taking on this assignment could mean um, being totally ostracized by her family separated from her fiance being stoned to death by her community because she said yes and now i want to ask you the question tonight what is the cost to you right now the spirit of god is speaking to you and you already know what the cost is to bring jesus to your generation could be embarrassment to workmates could be that sense of popularity or coolness, and coolness is a big thing in this world, persecution and money, and it cost Mary everything because she said yes. You know, the other morning, my son came up to me, and uh, he'd been watching something on the morning, you know, one of those morning TV shows, and he said to me, "I said, Dad, just saw this family on TV. They were being interviewed, and it was a family of four, and uh, they lived in a house that had, I think he said, eight, eight, uh, eight bedrooms eight bedrooms and six bathrooms, but it wasn't enough. Now, they had the, the tennis court and they had the swimming pool and they had all this kind of extravagant kind of stuff. And in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. So, but I had, I had a, um, a, a teaching moment with my son where I sat down and I looked in the eye to eye and I said, Jonas, that's my son, I said, to tell you, the, here's the truth. The truth is, that's just an ordinary, oh, by the way, that family, they wanted to upgrade to an even bigger house. I said, that's a, that's a pretty ordinary dream to have. You think about it, most of our world, because of the incredible advertising and marketing campaign that comes our way, we want the biggest this and the biggest that. I said to Jonas, I said, the truth is, that's just an ordinary dream, and there's nothing wrong with that dream. But I said, if you want to change the world, dream big. Dream bigger than that. You know, of course, we're as a church that our dream is to become increasingly Jesus-centered and others focused and we get to do it together in community. But the end of that question, I want to ask you, are you willing, are you willing, like Mary was, to be interrupted and inconvenienced? Are you really? Now, we sing these songs, beautiful songs. Christians don't tell lies, they sing lies. are you really willing to be inconvenienced interrupted? Because we're not a product of our time. We're a product of eternity. This is not our home. We are going home. God has plucked you and I out of eternity and positioned us in this thing called time and has given us gifts. He's given us these things called talent. Beck, beautiful. For the purpose of serving our generation. And we somehow think that the goal of our Christianity is our own comfort and our own safety as if somehow Jesus came from heaven to earth, died upon the cross, rose again to make my life safe. Can I just say this, and maybe there's one thing, there's one thing you could really think about and maybe have a family time talking about later on this week, is that, is this, that there is nothing safe about living. You just ask our brothers and sisters in Paris at this moment. You just ask the people who are friends and family of the flight that has vanished. Malaysian, whatever it was. You just ask the people um, who are connected with those couple from the Lint Cafe disaster, if life is safe. You ask the people from September the 11th, who were connected with family and friends who went down in the two towers that day. If life is safe. You asked the police worker's family who was shot that day in Parramatta if life if, is safe. I remember a time, a couple of, I know it was eight years ago, uh, flying in America, somewhere, I don't know where I was from and to, but I do remember this. And there was a fair amount of turbulence going. Where's, have I got a clock? Am I done? Okay. Uh, fair amount of turbulence going on in this moment. I so remember it. The, the pilot comes over, ladies and gentlemen, there's no need to panic. Please suffer, uh, fasten your seatbelt. And I've never experienced turbulence quite like this. We were all over the show. You know, we get a few bumps and things like that every now and then from Melbourne to Tassie. And that. But this plane was all over the show. I went to channel one and I turned it on high because the pilot said, you can go to channel one to listen. And I remember he actually said this, I'll never forget this, that he said the wing, the wing the tips, the plane is designed to cope with what we are facing at the moment. I'll never forget that, because I was so reassured to hear that. But that day, I learned that flying was risky. At age nine, I discovered that love was risky when I was dumped. <laughs> and Laura, if you... Were... No, I won't. I won't do that. In fact, I do know Laura is very unwell at the moment. And uh, I do pray for, for her. Bless her. Age 13, some close friends' parents split up and I discovered that marriage was risky. Christians, can I say this to you tonight? That we should take risks in this life. Why? Not illegal, not unethical and not immoral, but because we have our eternal security is guaranteed. Just as Mary did to live the life God wanted her to live. One thing we should fear in this life and it's this. Have we got on the screen? that you're never, no, no, let's go to the next one, that you're never going to live the life that Jesus Christ put you on this earth to live. That's one thing you should fear and figure out your your salvation with fear and with trembling. Jesus didn't come, what? To make us safe. He came to make us dangerous. What I mean by that is to the kingdom of darkness. And Mary said, yes, yes, she was inconvenienced and interrupted in her life, but she took the risk and she took the risk for her generation. But don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Just as it was with Mary, God's not asking you to do the difficult. He's asking you to do the impossible because impossible is where God starts. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Can I pray as the team come? I'd love to pray. Let's pray. And I want to ask you right now, was that just a nice little message or was the Spirit of God speaking to you about a certain thing in your life here tonight? Is it about the impossible? Is it about where He wants to send you? Is it about where you are to go next? Is it about what the conversation you are to have? spoke to my neighbor yesterday. It was a hopeless situation hopeless. This world, in so many ways, is hopeless, and that's why we've become a door of hope through Jesus Christ in this fragile and uncertain world. You see, there's not one prayer that's too big for God to answer. There's not one prayer, not one problem too big for God to solve. There is no disease. I prayed for a friend many years ago. I was a part of a prayer circle who prayed for a friend many years ago and he was miraculously healed. Praise God. There is no heart that he cannot mend. There is no relationship that he cannot restore. There is no sin that he cannot forgive. There is no past he can't redeem. There is no bondage that he cannot break. There is no need that he can't meet. There is no mountain he cannot move. There is no enemy he cannot defeat. There's nothing that our God cannot do and that's why the angel said to mary that day for with god nothing will be impossible father tonight we thank you for the story of mary we thank you for her willingness to trust we thank you god that she's a a shining example of faith in your word father i pray that you would awaken us each not to height but to heart for the very purpose that we are here to fulfill. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the lessons that we can draw out, that we can grow into, that we can trust you, and that we can believe you in faith. And Father, I pray that you would grant us favor in the eyes of our community to bring glory to your name, not for self-comfort, but for your purpose. Father, you've rescued me. You've rescued many in this place here tonight. All we need to do is start the dance with you. Father, would you help rescue people here tonight? Let your light shine in the darkness. I'm, there may be people here tonight that there's, there's a sense of unrest. There's, there's certain areas in your life where there is not peace. And maybe in the singing of this final song, you might want to sing that. You might want to come forward tonight during the singing of this final song. And I'd love to pray with you, to encourage you in a public kind of way. You don't need to speak, but you might want to step forward into the light here tonight and leave the darkness. That darkness may be on that very phone that you are holding or it's in your pocket or right next to you or between your legs here tonight. Whatever that darkness is, you may want to surrender that darkness right now. Get rid of that app once and for all. For we are all God's workmanship created to do what? Good things. In Christ Jesus, we thank you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.